Here are the three biggest stories in tabletop gaming in 10 minutes or less so you can back to playing the game. Uh, our first story, Dungeons and Drag Queens. <laughs> well, this is very exciting. It's featured some casts from RuPaul's Drag Race that you might recognize. We got uh, Monet Exchange. We got Alaska Thunderfuck, Bob the Drag Queen. We got Juju B. And this is just like a great example. I feel like for people who have like who love RuPaul's Drag Race, they love D and D. It's like all these inter like interests intersecting. I think it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean. Um, uh, Monet Exchange, uh, Alaska Thunderfuck, Bob Drag Queen, and Juju B. These are all like major names. I right. showed this to my wife. She is a, a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. She goes to probably a drag show at least once a month. <laughs> and she's like, these are huge names. Yeah. And I also think that like drag itself, you know, it's like a performance based art. And I feel like all performance based art kind of like bleed into each other. So yeah. it would be like a natural progression that they would find um, some talent and some creativity in the tabletop RPG space. And this is important because we're seeing um, more of kind of the inclusivity move into the, the, the most popular aspects of the tabletop gaming industry. Yeah. Right. I think like Dimension 20 also does a good job of making voices heard, mm -hmm. making inclusivity heard, and also making like multiple genres and interests intersecting happen. Like I just yeah. said, like, I mean, I know I was super excited when I saw Court of Fame Flowers, which is like period piece with D&D. Right. &D, and I just, you know, did like the Star Jammer, like space with D&D, &D, or that wasn't D&D. Dimension sorry. 20 has always been really inclusive and it's always had a really like diverse amount of voices that are like represented, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, and you know, right now with everything that's happening in the world and what's happening in Florida, where you're seeing a lot of queer spaces being threatened, we're seeing a lot of queer identities be threatened. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to see something like this come out yeah. that is in support of that, um, especially during the month of Pride. Yeah, and like the bigger voices in the yeah. in the space. Now, some people do know that there use uh, there is a Dungeons and Drag Queens, which is a live show in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, that that uh, sounds super right? fun. <laughs> um, they did give their blessing for uh, uh, Dimension Twenty to do Dungeons oh, and Drag Queens. Okay. So like, I like that Dimension Twenty. Of course, they went out and, d and did the yeah. legwork. Um, but this looks like it's, it's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited. Um, hey, our, our group chat uh, with our, our table that we Oh, my God, played, yes, uh, was going off. Everyone the, the inter intersect of, of so many people's interests. One of them was like, this is literally all of my interests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I'm really excited to see how well it's received. I'm excited to you know watch the, the first episode. Uh, so we'll keep tabs on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, on the other end of things, um, yeah, the new, yeah, <laughs> new TSR uh, is uh, making the news. And this is probably the, the, the in recent weeks, this is one of the first times where WOTC is also uh, getting covered. And it's not something bad for them, at least. Yeah, more like boo TSR. <laughs> um, so uh, new TSR, uh, which is what it's popularly become, um, uh, Justin Lanasa uh, <laughs> tried to bring back the TSR, which was Tactical Studies Rules, mm -hmm. the original uh, publisher of Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. um, and tried to bring it back. They had Star Frontiers. It, uh, it got tons of backlash because it's just inherently transphobic, inherently racist. It's just, it's so, it almost felt like parody because it was so just so ridiculous. Um, I mean, they're trying to be like the anti-woke company. They, right? And that's like, their words. Yeah. And the so anti-woke. It's like, it's very much like that kind of like toxic nerd fandom, not even just nerd fandom, but like the bringing back the good old days mentality, yeah. like make tabletop RPGs great again vibes. And it's just like. Well, they file for bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, oh. <Aww>, um, <laughs> and court documents have uh, revealed that in 2023, they made a total of $621.92. Yikes. Um, so yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. 
And this is what uh, you know always kind of uh, frustrates me when I you know see uh, companies like Target kind of back down to backlash mm-hmm. um, because you know this this company was the anti woke and there was obviously no support. They yeah. weren't successful um, and they're paying for their kind of bigoted views. Yeah, and then what Wizards of the Coast sued them earlier this year in like March. Right? Uh, I think in 2021. 2021. Um, and here's the thing: th- we could not cover this entire story in 10 minutes. You're going to have to go to a deep dive <laughs> about TSR. TSR has uh, been held by three different people. Um, when TSR went defunct in the 90s, that's when Wizards of the Coast um, bought D&D, uh, you know, all their game properties. And the reason they're suing them is like, hey, you are trying to have your name semi-established with Wizards of the Coast yeah. um, and, and uh, you know, D&D in general. So you could cause irreparable harm to our brand yeah. because you were releasing racist, uh, transphobic, yeah. Um, stuff. And so that's one of the things leading the... Yeah, the, while they may not own that trademark anymore, the past association with it is, like, enough. And they're just trying to, like, break all ties and all kind of... And I think technically... Uh, Wizards of the Coast might own Star Frontiers, mm, okay. uh, but again, that's a, there's a huge thread. We'll put the uh, the link in the comments of this. You can read the court document by the actual lawyers out there. <laughs> um, uh, and lastly, uh, we're talking about Pathfinder. We're talking about Paizo. Yeah, a third game. Right? Uh, well, this is the second. There's three announced okay. that they're gonna be they're gonna be releasing. Okay. This is the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be like a vampire survivor style game. Okay, what is a vampire? Okay, so you, you know you have like um, you have uh, souls like games, right? Okay. Which are like the incredibly hard, really difficult, you know, yeah. third um, sweating, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, you have platformers, right? Okay. You have tower defense, mm-hmm. um, you have roguelike. Mm-hmm. Um, a vampire survival is one of the one of those games where you're kind of on a map and monsters are coming at you at all sides, and you're just trying to stay alive long enough to kill everything on the board or to uh, let time end. And then like move to the next board. And then you move yeah. to the next board. And so okay. like you're in the center and things are coming at you at all angles. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of feels almost like an idle game. Yeah. Um, and you're just essentially trying to wipe the board. Okay. That's a vampire survival game, and, and, and it's based off the game Vampire Survivor. Is this like a new like subgenre, like this whole like vampire survivor of it all? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's definitely kind of like how roguelike became this new subgenre. That it's exactly like that. Okay, and then the, this is just like another game coming from Pathfinder. That's kind of like using the Pathfinder lore, lore and world. IP. And yeah. here's the thing: this is what the reason why this is interesting is the first Pathfinder game released was a hack and or that was announced as a hack and slash game, mm-hmm. very Diablo like. Uh, and of course, with the success of Diablo 4, you feel like this is right up the alley. Um, it, they've been in crowdfunding for the past 20 days. They're almost at their funding goal. They're like 90% there, but they haven't hit it. Usually you see a successful Kickstarter hit it within the first 24, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paizo hasn't hit it yet. Mm. Um, they're maybe $20,000 away from their goal. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how much you can do with $300,000 to make a video game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about other, like, video games that are coming out in terms of, like, diversifying the kind of game that people mm-hmm. play to bring them into your lore. Yeah. Like, because if you just keep to one kind of style that really just kind of alienates a lot of the, yeah. you know, other people that do like a hack and slash game, that do like kind of like these yeah. idle There's games. There's tons of people that love Diablo 4 and they have no interest in playing a turn-based Exactly. Uh, game. It's like the whole League of Legends when they made Arcane that just, like, yeah. exploded it and did it. And, like, I'll probably never play a League of Legends type <laughs> game, but now I've, I love League of Legends right? now because of Arcane. But I still think it's interesting that Paizo has uh, is, is isn't hasn't announced anything turn based. Hmm. We have hack and slash. We have vampire survivor. 
Um, I wonder if the third game they announced this year is going to be turn-based or it's going to be something completely different. Maybe they're just like working on it, you know, and right? <laughs> trying to come um, up with something real. And I, I'm assuming that this is going to go to Kickstarter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if it's going to be as successful. Yeah, we'll see the hunger for this kind of game, like with the brand recognition that I, they already have. So. Um, but it's still, you know, I still find it really interesting. Like, you know, uh, we're, we've we've moved away from turn-based as far as these first two games. Mm-hmm. Maybe the third will be turn-based. Um, but uh, I'm wondering if we're going to see a huge push in the last 10 days of this game because uh, the first game announced, I don't know if the Abomination Vaults, I don't know how much you can do with $300,000 to make a, a video game. Yeah. I mean, at that point, did they just kind of, like, scrap the project? I know. I mean, I don't think they're going to scrap it. I think it just depends on time and, and, you know, how much is delivered. And, you know, I feel if you – obviously, if you crush it, you have stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it could have been just a, a press um, technique, right? Yeah. Like. If you, I mean, I know many, many game developing uh, developers out there that will do a Kickstarter just, just to generate to get the press, press yeah. right? Like the money is definitely secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Pathfinder has a nice nest egg that they got from all the purchases uh, this past year from the OGL crisis yeah. that they're funding these with. And so uh, I'm excited to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um, hey, those are our three stories <laughs> today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you like the show and you want to support us, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash total party chill. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Bye.